We have an interesting way of speaking in English when we add the word full to the end of something, when we add the letters F-U-L to the end of a word. It defines the word even as it says the word. To be helpful is to be full of help. To be hopeful is to be full of hope. So to be faithful, to be faithful is to be full of faith. The First Testament lesson is an example of faithfulness. The prophet Elijah has told King Ahab the unfortunate news that because of his bad behavior, God has brought a drought on the land. King Ahab didn't want to hear this news. And so now Elijah is on the lamb. God tells him to go to the Wadi River where he will be sustained. When there's not a drought, it seems like a reasonable thing to go to the edge of a river for sustenance. But remember, there is a drought, and the river ends up becoming dry. So Elijah follows Lord's instructions and visits a widow in Zarephath, which is where our story picks up this morning. And it is this story that I want to emphasize that illustrates beautifully one aspect of what it means to be full of faith. To be full of faith is to take stock of what we have and to use it in service to God so that God can work with it. This is the simple yet challenging act of living a life of faith. Taking stock of what we have using it in service to God so that God can do with it what God will. And this is what the widow of Zarephath did. Elijah asks her to bring him a morsel of bread. She tells him that all she has is a little meal left and a little oil, and she's going to make a cake, and she and her son will eat it, and then they will die. Since she doesn't know where more oil or meal will come from, in her mind, the event that will follow the morsel is that she is going to eat it with her son and they will die. But Elijah tells her to put what she has in service to God and that God will sustain the meal in the jar and the oil in the jug. It will not run dry. She decides to listen to Elijah and what he prophesies does indeed come true. The oil and the meal do not run out throughout the length of the, of the drought. This reality is something that the woman could not have imagined. She didn't need to fully imagine it because the reality was not brought about by her positive thinking. The reality was brought about by her taking stock of what she had putting it in service to God, and letting God do with it what God would. And what God did with her little meal and her little oil was an act that brought glory to God. She happened to be the beneficiary of God's glory being made known. As our story tells us, a little later her son dies from a sickness. Needless to say, she is distraught 
Certain that her son's death is due to her sinfulness, made all the more evident because a man of God is in her home magnifying it all, she takes out her anger on Elijah. But Elijah tells her to give her son to him. And he takes the son and through his prayer asks that the boy's life might be given back to him so that God's glory might be made known. The woman sees the glory of God made known again and realizes what she has. She has a man of God in her home. And through that relationship, she begins to develop the practice of living in faith. That is, taking stock of what she has, putting it in service to God, and letting God do with it what God will do with it. I want to tell you a couple of stories, even from my short time at St. Stephen's, about living in faith. Perhaps you remember that last summer, Liz, the interim youth minister, was offered a position in her field, full-time, close to her house, with benefits. And she took it. We couldn't begrudge her that opportunity, even though the news came at the beginning of July, right as Ted was leaving here and I was coming. The third week of July, I met with the executive committee because we lived here in Connecticut for that week before we left for vacation. I met with the executive committee to talk about what we would do about youth ministry. Now, mind you, I hadn't even officially started working at St. Stephen's yet, but by the time I was to come back from my vacation, it would be the beginning of August, and we had to decide what we would do so that we could be ready for September. And I remember sitting in that meeting with the executive committee and saying very clearly, we have everything we need to do this work. I believe we just have to figure out what it is we have. Because God fully equips us to live into faith. God doesn't expect us to have something that we don't already have to live in faithfulness to him. So let's take stock of what we have so that we can carry out the work that God wants us to do. And what did we have? We had some money in the budget from the position that was now vacant. We had a group of dedicated volunteers, and we had lists of youth. Well, to make a long and what I think good story short, what resulted was that we hired a person to oversee the administration of youth, and we prepared through the good efforts of dedicated volunteers a youth kickoff event for the third week of September that had close to 70 people at it both youth and adults. We had used what we had in service to God through the church, and the result was a youth program that met the current needs of our youth. By the end of 2012, things were picking up steam. Here we had lived into an act of faithfulness, and yet it seemed that we needed to consider it again. We had 15 youth in confirmation with great leaders. We had 170 households committed to supporting the church financially. We were set to begin the year of 2013 with the same number of pledging households that we had in all of 2012. It was obvious to me that we were going to need full-time additional pastoral support on the staff. 
but we didn't quite have what we needed to live into that. We didn't have the finances or the people to support bringing on another full-time position. But by the end of March and the beginning of April, what we had was different than what we had had at the end of December. Financially speaking, we had 20 more pledging households than we had at the end of December, bringing the total to 190. We had bids on the slate roof that were coming in under what we had budgeted. We had invited people who didn't make a three-year pledge to the roof to give a one-time gift in order to lessen the withdrawal on the endowment, and we already had gifts coming in toward that. Plus, we had people. As I said, we had 20 more pledging households, more than half of which have children. We had decided as leadership to create our nursery school as an Episcopal nursery school. We had a vibrant youth ministry led by volunteers and a growing children's ministry led by dedicated staff. And so we recognized again that we need additional pastoral support on our current staff and started to think about what if we combine children's and youth ministry. Since we have many families with young people in both groups, we could maximize our ministry to them and with them by not segregating them into two groups. And the person who fills this role would be able to minister to the whole family, empowering parents to nurture faith in their home. We seem to have enough for that. So we decided to dedicate what we know in service to God and let God do with it what God will. And thus the position of associate for youth and family ministry was created, an act of faith and hope. And we hope to have someone in that position by this fall. To live in faith is to take stock of what we have, to dedicate it in service to God, and to let God do with it what God will. Knowing that God will make God's glory known and we will be witness to it, drawing us into a new way of being. Jesus demonstrated faith time and time again. He knew that he had the power to heal and thus make evident the glory of God the Father. Yet only those who were willing to notice the glory of God would see his acts as such. In our gospel lesson today, as Jesus witnesses a widow whose social security was in her son, as he witnesses her accompany that very son's dead body out of the city, he has compassion on her and is moved to heal, to give his, her son his life. This is so similar to the First Testament story of Elijah that we read this morning, that we can see how people wondered if Jesus was a prophet even specifically if he was Elijah. Jesus takes stock of what he has, puts it in service to God the Father, and lets God do with it what God will. True to form, God takes what is given and makes God's glory known. To live a life of faith is to be faithful through the act of taking stock of what we have 
and putting it in service to God, we demonstrate our faith that God will do something with it beyond what we can imagine, possibly even have imagined possible. And most definitely, in glory to God. Thomas Merton articulates this beautifully in a prayer that has become known as the Merton Prayer. Those of you who were in worship last Sunday perhaps saw that this prayer was printed on one of the bulletin inserts. So I invite you to bow your heads with me as I pray this prayer of faithfulness on all of our behalf. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by your right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.